Welcome back, everyone, to 101 Questions at Church Planners Ask. I'm your host, Danny Parmalee. Today, we're looking at how much should a church planter get paid and how you go about setting up your salary. So this should be a fun one. And even if you're past this point already, hopefully it'll affirm some of the decisions that you've made uh, on your salary. Or possibly this is an opportunity for you to go back, set some new direction. It's one of those ones that you actually can fix if you made a mistake. So I'm probably preaching to the choir on this, but I wanted to start off on the foundation that receiving a salary for doing ministry is biblical. So 1 Timothy 5 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered of worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So I'll start out by sharing this just because talking about pastoral salary can feel kind of slimy or weird or awkward. And to me, it's reassuring to know that, you know, it was enough of an issue in the early church that Paul used his precious ink to address the issues. So you want to know how much a church planter should make? Well, you can head over to ZipRecruiter type in lead pastor in most cities, it's going to show up uh, around thirty dollars to $40,000. Now, if you don't like that number, that's okay, because you can head over to salary.com, type in lead pastor there, and your range is going to be $62,000 to $166,000. So this reminds me of an important quote from one of my favorites. Wikipedia is the best thing ever. Anyone in the world can write anything they want about any subject, so you know you're getting the best possible information. Michael Scott. All right, so you can't always trust everything that you type in. It's not that easy. You can't just pull it off of the internet. Now, what some networks and denominations do is they have a very specific salary policy that lays out exactly what each planter should make, and for the sake of fairness, everyone in the movement makes the same amount. Now, if you're in this situation... My guess is then you're probably listening to this because you don't like the number that was handed to you and uh, you're going to give them this podcast. That's fine. They can listen to it. Uh, You can send them my information. They can call me. This is definitely the easiest, certainly not uh, the best option. I know when I was planting in the early 2000s, the popular method then was to look up a public school teacher salary in the city that you were planting and to use those numbers. Now, the advantage of this is at least there's some context. So from city to city, it's taking in maybe a little bit of cost of of living. And uh, second of all, it's really easy to get a hold of those numbers. You just pull it off the page. So that also is uh, pretty easy. Secondly, uh, the advantage of kind of going that route um, of of picking a a public school teacher salary is that if you're ever questioned about it, uh, it's easy to just say, oh, well, that, you know, I, I make the same as a, a public school teacher and you won't get a lot of uh, pushback. Now, of course, the downside to this method is it doesn't take into consideration a lot of other factors. So for church planners that I'm coaching, I suggest what I call the Goldilocks approach. Salary is not too high. Salary is not too low. It needs to be just right. Now, I've seen planters make errors on both sides of the spectrum. So too high means that you're probably the top earner in your church. There's likely a burden on the church to support you. And even if you're fundraising in the beginning, eventually the church needs to become responsible for it. Uh, So that can be quite a negative thing. I think the bigger issue, though, deals with your own credibility. 
uh, that if you're transparent with the amount of money or even general amount that you make, and even if you think that your salary will stay confidential, it won't. Eventually it gets out because people have to see it. Accountants need to see it. Uh, maybe uh, board members need to see it. Eventually people know how much you make. So uh, once that comes out, it can be a huge turnoff to people if you're making this large sum of money. So one of the elders uh, of the church uh, that I planted, he was the vice president of human resources at a multi-billion dollar company. And so this guy knew what he was talking about. And this is what he would say to me over and over. And it has just stuck with me. He says, salary is personal. People take it personally. It's not just a number. Uh, So this concept is applied not only to your own salary, but as other people discover your salary, they will compare it to theirs. Now, of course, there is a balance here. You're not setting your salary just to make congreg- you know, congregation members happy because you never will. Uh, there's always going to be people that uh, think you're getting paid too much or too little. However, you do need to take into consideration the perception and the reality of what it reflects of your leadership with the amount of money uh, that you make. So on the flip side, though, there is also the error of setting your salary too low. And as we've already read, it's a biblical principle to honor those who have the role and responsibility of shepherding and teaching and preaching. But even on a pragmatic side, I've seen pastors set their salaries so low that affects their family. You know, they're just scraping by, barely able to put food on the table, and they think they're doing something super spiritual and godly uh, by doing this. Uh, but that's uh, not always the case. And so again, you're kind of shooting for that just right spot. A couple things to kind of uh, look at. You know, um, are you honored for your time and effort and calling that God has placed on your life? So that's that First Timothy 5, 17 and 18. And going along with what I just said, are you able to provide for your family? Just a few verses earlier, First Timothy 5, 8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially... For the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is even worse off than an unbeliever. Now, personally, I think it's important that, you know, beyond even just the bare minimum of providing food, water, and shelter for your family, that you do have margin to be able to go on vacation. If you have kids that there's enough money for them to play sports or play an instrument or be involved in extracurricular activities or have some hobbies, Uh, to have enough money that your car isn't basically held together by duct tape. I mean, you might think that you're helping out the church by doing this, but you actually may be hindering the church by not providing enough for yourself and for your family because you're under this constant stress. I mean, you're always at the repair shop with your crummy car or you're constantly fighting with your kids or your your spouse uh, because you're restricted on your, you know, uh, financial abilities to just live life. And so it's important to kind of consider what is healthy, not only for uh, you and and for your family, but also what is healthy for the local church? What does that mean for them to pay appropriately? And here's where you need to think even beyond yourself. If you take a super low salary, you may uh, be uh, putting the church in jeopardy if you uh, move on. Okay, so in other words, if you move on from, from the church, will they be able to afford someone else with, with the salary that they're paying you? Will they be able to attract a pastor and hire a pastor uh, if you move on? Which, related to that, sometimes uh, church planners base their salary um, kind of on their 
needs because their spouse makes uh, a lot of money. So if your spouse, for example, is a doctor or lawyer or has some sort of profession that makes a lot of money, you think, I, I don't even need to take a salary from the church, or I can take this really, really small amount. Well, then what happens if your spouse's uh, job is removed from the situation? Or like we said before, if you move on from there, now you've put the church in this predicament, they've never paid a salary for um, you, you know, pay, paid a salary for a pastor at that level, and now they're stuck because they're so used to paying you absolutely nothing. So I'm going a little bit extreme here, but even if you're independently wealthy and you don't need a dime, I think it is wise that you still set up and take a salary. I love what John Piper says to this in regards of setting salary. He says, I won't tell them not to make a lot of money. I tell them don't keep a lot of money. So if the salary is set and it's part of your church budget, that's great. If you don't need it, give it back to the church, okay? But at least they've got that in their budget. They've got it in their rhythm. Give it back to the church. Give it to missions. Give it somewhere. But you're setting them up uh, to, uh, to to be healthy and, and to understand the importance of taking care of their pastor. Now, the best situation is if you have a legal board, which we've talked about a lot in our previous episodes, is that you work with them to set your salary. And I think it's helpful to break things up into four different categories. So you can write this down. It's also will be in the blog. Uh, you start with your base salary. Uh, then you'll also add to that your housing allowance. And don't worry, we will address housing allowance in great detail in another episode because I have found that church planters often do not have a clue about how the housing allowance actually works. So base salary, housing allowance. You have another one for retirement which I'm going to suggest uh, you make about 10% of your um, you know, total package. And then also another line item for possible insurance. Now, again, go back to the same thing, Goldilocks. What is that number to kind of uh, get that just right number? And we're looking at a couple different things. You know, the context of the city, is it a large city, a suburb, rural area? How large is your family? Are you full-time? Are you part-time? Here's where you need to start to do some research of your specific area. You can start, like we mentioned before, with a public school teacher salary. Maybe you're looking at a public school teacher that has a master's degree, if you also have a master's degree. I've heard of a lot of other planters now are kind of aligning more with a nurse's salary as kind of their baseline instead of uh, teachers. But one of the best things that you can do is to find out what other pastors are making in the area. Now, you don't need to be the weirdo who, you know, comes into town and calls the pastor and, hey, I'm the new church planner, just wondering how much you make. Okay, that's not the way to uh, make friends and influence people. So here is a resource, a tip. Uh, again, you can get this on the blog, but churchlawandtax.com backslash salary. And uh, what is so great about this is this is a resource where you can type in your specific zip code. And uh, you type in the size of your city, you know, the size of your church. There's a number of different things that you kind of uh, put in, and it will spit out a report. And the, the way that they get that report is from actual numbers and surveys from pastors in your area, or at least in your region. So it helps a lot to have a number like this. I mean, it's not going to be perfect, but the important thing here is that you're kind of going through this process of understanding your context, understanding uh, what other um, you know pastors are making, 
And you're going back to then, of course, filtering those numbers that are even given to you. Is this healthy for my family? Is this a healthy amount for the church that I'm serving? Is this a healthy amount that I wouldn't be embarrassed to share uh, publicly? And uh, is this amount that, you know, kind of is that medium uh, median of the people that I serve? Now, when you get those numbers, again, best practice is to take this to your board. And if you can, uh, give it to them for the final say. And this becomes important as a communication tool later on when you're asked about your salary or even if you're not asked about it, but I would suggest that either you or someone on behalf of you is communicating to your launch team or to your leaders or as your church continues to grow, you'll have annual business meetings or vision vision meetings and that it's stated that you don't determine your own salary, that there's an outside board that's determining this and reviewing your salary on a yearly basis. And so this just will speak so much to your credibility, which is important in the midst of so many pastors who have abused their powers, have abused financial resources of their church for their own gain. And so you get to distance, you get to model something that's completely different than that. So in closing, there is no perfect formula. There's not a standard number. Context determines so much But if you do your research and you're going to work your best to kind of find that Goldilocks, that just right salary that's going to be healthy for everyone, not too high, not too low, and uh, hopefully that will set you on a great path. And especially as you have have a board that then you'll train to kind of do this process year in and year out. So thanks so much for listening. And remember, if you have a question about church planting, you can go to churchplantersask.com, submit your question there. And until next time, Keep asking those questions.